0: Well, good morning, everybody. We're continuing on our uh, sermon series through uh, the Gospel of John, and uh, it is not an accident that we're building up uh, towards uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. And so, as we continue on our our sermon series. So today we're going to be looking at John 15 1 to 17. We're going to read that to you very shortly. And then we're continuing on in John next weekend in our Good Friday service as well as our Easter Sunday service. So it's one continuous move of through the Gospel of John. So today, As we uh, read this particular passage, we will reflect on that today, and I'm going to invite Rhonda to come and read this passage from uh, John 15. Thank you, Rhonda.
1: Good morning. Okay, John 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other.
0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that it contains and we thank you for your spirit, which in us enables us to receive your word to be transformed by your word and to be able to go and serve you by your word. And so as we reflect on this passage today, we pray that you would have your way amongst us. Speak to us and give us ears to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm hoping you've all got a, a study guide, helps you to be able to follow along, uh, not only as an individual, but also a number of our growth groups, uh, which are listed in the bulletin. Uh, you will be able to, uh, growth groups who are following along with this, able to use those study guides as well as we follow the sermon each Sunday. So today, uh, there's a passage, I've called it, I, I am the true vine, John 15, one To seventeen, And it's one of the I am statements of of Jesus. Um, In this particular sermon series that we've been looking at for the the last, well, it's eight weeks now. Um, We looked at a number of the I am statements. We didn't look at all of them, but but you may remember if you've been here most weeks. uh, Delhove, a number of weeks ago, spoke on the I am the bread of life. And we looked at the, the bread of life and the I am statement of Jesus. Jesus also said that I am the light of the world. He also said that I am the gate. Paul, a couple of weeks ago, um, preached on the I am the, the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And last week, as the we looked at the, the resurrection of, of Lazarus, um, we looked at the statement Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And today we're looking at, the final I am chronologically in the Gospel of John, and that is, I am the true vine. And these ones only recorded in the Gospel of, of John. And I think it's, it's quite apt that we, we look at this passage in the week before uh, Easter, so even though it's uh, Palm Sunday today, uh, we're right at the cusp. As we look at John 15, we're right at the cusp of the Easter story. As a matter of fact, if you if you flip around John 15, you'll notice that this is quite an extended dialogue that Jesus has with his disciples as he's confiding and teaching and imparting to them in the moments before he is arrested. As a matter of fact, it was just before this passage that Judas left the, the, the group and went on his way to arrange for the arrest of Jesus. So Judas has already left as Jesus is confiding. So think about the, 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 the implications of all of that. Now, as we look at this passage in John 15, and, and it's, it's a wonderful passage with wonderful imagery, and I hope you appreciate the imagery as much as, as, much as I do, Too often the mistake we make is that we focus predominantly on the productivity of what it means to be a a Christian rather than the connection. And so when we read this, we look all about how to produce fruit and how to be fruitful and how to be productive. And if you don't produce fruit, then you're discarded. Too often that becomes the focus of this passage. And, And I think connecting that with especially the the focus that we have in this Western world. I think you would all agree that the focus of our Western world is, is productivity, isn't it? H- how to be productive, how to make our, our hours count and how to make our money work out. And, and if you produce, you, you prosper. We're, we're productivity-driven, aren't we? how can I produce fruit and how can I be fruitful now there's nothing wrong with that but too often that becomes our primary focus yet I believe that this passage focuses more on the intimacy and connection that Jesus calls us to as his friend as a friendship And really, fruitfulness is a byproduct of our connection. And we will see that as we have a look at this passage, particularly in the imagery of uh, the vine. The problem is if we focus on fruitfulness without connection to God, we become fruitless. If we don't have a connection with the vine, ultimately we can't produce anything that's, that's good. And if we come to focus on that fruitfulness, there will always be that question, have I done enough? Should I be more fruitful? Should I be trying harder? So what I want to do is I want to look at four aspects of this passage uh, that we're going to reflect on this morning. And the four aspects of this passage are, firstly, Jesus is the true source of life. Secondly, life results from being connected to Jesus. Thirdly, remaining in Christ produces change or produces fruit. And fourth, God prunes us in order to conform us to his character. That's what I've found in in this passage. So let's, let's start by looking at the first point, and that is that Jesus is the true source of life. As I've said This is the last I am statement of Jesus gathering his disciples together. There is no doubt he is aware of what is coming up. Judas has already left. Now, in this imagery, and Jesus was just a great teacher who used common metaphors, imagery, stories to emphasize his point. Some of them were a little bit confusing, and I think some were very very clear and, and i think this one was a very very clear story and even for, for those of you who may not be into agriculture or farming or whatever uh, it doesn't take much to get the point of this story vines were very common in israel as a matter of fact on their coins was the symbol with vines and on their doorposts they would adorn with vines as well very they were found everywhere so the listeners, the disciples who were listening to this story would have been very aware of the imagery. And he starts off by saying in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus saying, I'm the vine of God. You are the branches and you must be joined to me. Now, as he said this, he didn't say um, not because you belong to Israel that you are saved. He's really saying it is by faith in Christ, faith in Christ alone, that is your salvation and your connection to him. And what makes it very clear is that a branch cannot survive on its own. It must be connected. We've got some lovely palm branches here this morning celebrating... um, Palm Sunday Um, I'm just wondering what it would be like in a couple of weeks time if these branches continue to stay here Um, how you reckon they would go in a couple of weeks time they probably won't look as good as this will they why because they're no longer connected to its life source are they so great imagery branches can survive on their own Now, note here the relationship between the vine and the gardener. Jesus is the vine, the Father is the gardener. Both are interconnected and both are necessary in order to bring life to the branches. The vine and the gardener. Jesus here is making a very clear connection here that he is the true source of life and life outside of him is not possible. Secondly life results from being connected to Jesus. Very similar, very similar to the uh, the, the, the first aspect that I've looked at. Now, I want to just move for a moment into the book of Acts. And in Acts 17, we read about one of the journeys of Paul to Athens. Now, if you have worshipped regularly here, you would know that... Um, cassandra was over in in athens just earlier this year and as part of her study tour went to athens and uh, looked at this very place where in act 17 paul goes into athens and he's walking down the main street of athens and he's noticing that there are idols everywhere is that is that right cassandra it's right i've, I've got the thumbs up from cassandra Greeks, Greeks had lots of gods they had you know, the god of the sun the god of the moon the god of the sea the god of the wind the god of love they god had gods for just about everything and Paul as he's walking along comes across an idol to the unknown god they even had a god to the god they didn't even know that's how many gods they had and Paul is talking to the Greeks and we read this in Acts 17 that Paul's talking to the Greeks about this unknown God and introduces them to the God that can be known Jesus now it's fascinating if we look down towards uh, verse 20 onwards of Acts 17 we see that Paul is imploring them to say you can know this God and this, this God can know you And as a a matter of fact, as he's coming down, he actually quotes. Now, this is interesting. He actually quotes one of their own philosophers, one of their own Greek philosophers. And it says this in verse 28 Paul quoting a Greek philosopher and said, For in him we live and move and have our being. Now, these weren't Paul's own words. And he actually follows it up in the next verse by saying that we're his offspring and all that sort of thing. Now, Here it is that the Greeks, the pagan Greeks, knew that they had to be connected to something or someone. They couldn't just exist on their own. Their own philosophers said that we need to be connected to a life source. We need to be connected to something. And Paul, using their own philosopher, quotes that back to them. We're not just self-made people. We don't just chart our own course. Even atheists, even atheists who don't believe in a God, if they're pressed, they will realize they've got to be connected to something. Have you ever noticed that an atheist will refuse to use the word God, but they're okay with universe, for example? Because we find we've got to be connected to something, so we'll be connected to the universe, whatever that means. It's almost like we're saying it's an unknown God. See the similarities? An unknown God, but it's got to be connected to someone. Now, note in verse 1 of John 15, Jesus says, I am the true, true vine. Now, not just, I'm just a vine. He says, I am a true vine. So that could suggest that at that time, there were probably others who suggested some sort of life source. And they would be, if Jesus is the true vine, any other vine would be a false vine, wouldn't it? Finding connection in something or someone else. Jesus here declares that there's only one true connection. The only one that will truly bring life. He makes an incredibly exclusive statement at this point. Life results from being connected to Jesus. Now, the third point is this. Remaining in Christ produces that change or that fruit. And Jesus here clearly communicates the relationship between our connection to Christ and he starts talking about the fruit. So follow along with me in verse 4 through to 7, we'll read this again but just notice the emphasis and the repetition here. Jesus saying from verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine What is Jesus referring to when he says, remain in me? Who is is Jesus talking to? He's he's talking to his disciples. They are believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. As a matter of fact, immediately before that, verse 4, we read in verse 3, where he says, you are clean. In other words, you are believers. And so in that, he's saying, as believers, stay clean in me. That's what he's saying. Stay, remain, abide. It's a bit like if, if you're married, I would encourage you to stay married, not become married, if that makes sense. You already are married, so stay married. Uh, in the same way he's saying, you as believers, stay in me, he's saying. Jesus talking to connected people otherwise it would be a bit like giving marriage enrichment advice to single people this is who he's talking to let's make sure that we understand the focus of this story develop that connection have you ever noticed You may have gone along to a, a special event. You may have gone traveling. You may have gone to a wedding or an event that you don't normally go to. And you see somebody you haven't seen for many years. Now, Let's just say you've, you've gone to a wedding and you see someone you haven't seen for 10 years. Now, I think that moment can go one of two ways. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you could have one of those moments where you go, "Ooh, that's awkward. I've just seen those people for the first time um what was my relationship with that person like were were we friends were um i'm trying to remember how do i relate to this person i I don't know if i've I've really sort of lost contact with that person have you ever had that sort of moment where you go "Mm, a, a bit of a bit of water under the bridge and i can't remember you probably need to question the depth of that relationship wouldn't you but in the same deal, you might find someone 10 years later you bump into and straight away, here's my dear friend. And it's almost like those years have met. All of a sudden, you're back connected again and the relationship hasn't deteriorated at all. It's just friendship again. You know what I'm saying? And you would then imagine that, that would be kind of a true friendship, wouldn't it? That even though time has passed, there's still a depth there where you can reacquaint and reconnect in that friendship. This is the the connection we're talking about. Not not just an awareness of of God, not just an awareness of Christ, but there's there's a real connection. Now, what is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? Do we work hard to produce this fruit? or is it produced automatically now i'm going to allude to something a little bit later building on this whole imagery of the vine and the branches now as you think about fruit one of the first things you think about is galatians 5 isn't it you know galatians 5 and 23 paul talks about fruit and we look at it and we go oh yeah i know i know the fruit it's it's love it's patience it's joy it's kindness it's peace it's it's, I've got kindness down twice, kindness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I know all of the fruits of the Spirit. Now, Galatians 5 doesn't talk about fruits of the Spirit. You can d- double check it if you like, unless you've got another version or something. I think it talks about fruit in a singular, doesn't it? It says it's a fruit. So We shouldn't exhibit fruits like we're a fruit salad, and we shouldn't be a a branch that produces fruit, because as far as I know, if you're on a vine and you're connected to the branches, you only produce one fruit, don't you? I don't think I've ever seen an apple and and a grape and a pear on the same vine or tree. So we only really produce one fruit, but there's so many aspects to that one fruit, and what Paul's talking about here is this one fruit exhibits itself with patience, joy, kindness, love, peace, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Easy to analyze these fruits and we get around, what, who am I, what do I do, what's my strong sweet, what's my not, whatever. In John's focus here, it just talks about this one fruit that covers all of the fruit. And if you were to sum up that one fruit, what would be, how would you describe the fruit that you would produce been connected to the vine of Jesus love love now it's it's no accident that from here on in as as Jesus starts to talk about fruit he then just launches into this uh, dialogue about the importance of love and as a matter of fact from there on in verse 12 he says this my command is this love each other as I have loved you and I think that statement there is indicative of the vine, isn't it? If the vine is the source and the source is love, what would a branch produce from the vine? It's got to produce that which the vine is of, is it not? Which is love. So here's, here's the thing, really, when we come down to it. When we produce fruit... It's not because we're really good and we work really hard or anything like that. It's got far more to do with our connection to the vine and all of the nutrients and all of the DNA of the vine comes up into the branches, yes? And so if the DNA of of, of the vine or Jesus is love... And as we're connected, it's not like I've got to try to produce love today, I've got to try to love, I've got to try... It's just as I'm connected to Jesus, love will be produced, wouldn't it? Or am I oversimplifying it? Sometimes I think you've got to keep it pretty simple, don't you? If you're connected to the source of love, you'll produce love. Hmm. Simple. Now, Remain here it says in Jesus love and you'll produce love. Vine as we interact with Now the fourth point is this God prunes us in order to conform us to his character. That doesn't sound good, does it? Um, and we read in verse two. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, I'm going to um, I'm going to give you my my vast experience in growing stuff. Grew, grew up on an apple orchard, so I know all about how my dad grew apples, I don't ask me how to grow apples. I'm on a couple of acres with 50 avocado trees. I know what a good avocado tastes like and I know what a bad avocado tree looks like as, as well. Um, a vine doesn't produce fruit with just an occasional prune. Regular pruning produces even more fruit. One of the mistakes i made with my avocado trees is i just let them go until they started to look really sick and then after they start to look really sick the only way you prune it is with a chainsaw usually about that high and you hope for the best i lost a couple of avocado trees that way that's what happens and one of the things i found out is that you don't wait until things get really sick you do it on a seasonal basis, continuing to prune and cut off that which is, which is unfruitful or not, or not working or dead. Regular pruning produces even more fruit. Not just when branches get sick. Pruning means removing something that doesn't bring life. Essentially, that's what pruning is. Removing dead parts off those branches. Now, why, why do you think Jesus is saying this? If we're the branches, what does pruning look like in our own lives? I think the father, the gardener, with his pruning secateurs, comes along from time to time and cuts away unforgiveness... Bitterness, selfishness, pride. There could be others. So many others that are that are part of our life that we just get used to them. Don't don't we? We just get used to certain things in our life that are not that are not going to produce fruit that are not godly and that have just hung around us. And from time to time, in God, in His graciousness, graciousness will do a little bit of pruning. But you know what happens is it makes us quite uncomfortable because I don't think pruning's ever really good initially when things that we get used to are cut away from us. Unless you're kind of weird, but I, I, find that, I find that quite disconcerting initially. You look back on it and you go, boy, oh boy, I'm glad God did a work in me back then. I'm glad I got rid of that whatever it is. But in those moments, pruning can be quite uncomfortable. My question, you don't have to answer, but what is God pruning in your life at the moment? We all need a good prune. And generally you'll prune those things in our life that are not of him, things that ultimately will not produce fruit, that is obviously just dead wood anyway but we've hung on to. What's he pruning in you? Now, I've I've probably also mentioned from time to time that um, not only did I grow up in in Ballarat on an apple orchard, but uh, Angie grew up in the uh, Sunraiser district, you know, between Swan Hill and Mildura, down in the southwest of New South Wales or northwest of Victoria, in a little place called Euston and um, grew up on, on table grapes, not wine grapes, table grapes. Now, Angie's brother, Louis, has continued on the family tradition, and he's got a, a, a great table grape block uh, down there. And I, I found it fascinating, the, the routine through the seasons that will occur. And after they have um, picked all of the grapes... The, the, the vines look pretty ragged, they've been pulled apart and picked and everything like that. And there's this tedious process called pruning and rolling on. Pruning, you know what, it's just cutting off the dead branches, right? And rolling on is this tedious job where the vines come off and you know you've got your trellis and you've got to roll the vine onto the trellis so it learns to grow in an appropriate way. Now, if you were to go down into the Sunraysia district, from about May to about August it's a, it's a pretty uh, not the, the prettiest site because there's very very little greenery and if we throw up this next photo that's not actually a photo of my brother in law's farm those snow capped mountains in the background probably don't exhibit the sun Raiser district but as you can see there you can see the vines and you can see how the branches are rolled on rolled onto the trellis so they're trained. Now, it doesn't look very attractive. As far as I can see there, there's not a lot of fruit that's being shown because it's out of season. So all they've done, pruned it back, rolled it on, and they're waiting for the next season. Okay. Now, there's not a lot of growth happening here, but I've read that just because in the middle of winter you don't see the leaves, you don't see life or anything like that, there's plenty of life going on beneath the ground as the roots reach out for nourishment and nutrients, bring it up into the root system, into the stock, ready to inject it into the branches for the next season. Now, what a great image that is of Jesus, the true vine. As the gardener, the Father, has pruned us back, we can feel sometimes pretty useless and worthless, don't we? We've just been knocked around. God's just knocked unforgiveness and bitterness and pride and lust and and all that, whatever, out of us. And we're going to go, well, what good am I? And sometimes I think we just look like that. A bit of wood with not much life. I think winter the winter of the person is a crucial time times when it doesn't seem like we're producing a lot of fruit doesn't seem like you know, things are necessarily going our way or we're, we're jumping and dancing and, and doing all the things that really joyful and, and victorious Christians should do it just feels like that but that is when we need more than any other time to be connected to the vine because he's bringing nutrients into us he's feeding us he's preparing us because you know what happens when we remain connected to the vine give it a little bit of time and it'll look like this oh that looks a lot better doesn't it And if you look carefully, I can can see grapes just hanging down there, producing fruit. You'd you'd like to look like, you know, you'd like it like that, wouldn't you? And this is the thing, you you go down to visit my brother-in-law down in the Sunraysia district and you come, you know, this time of the year and it's like that and there's life everywhere and it's exciting There's there's grapes and, and it's green and it's lush but We've got to go. Can we just go back to the previous slide, Michelle? But we've got to go through that. We've got to go through that before we get to that. And we all have our seasons. What season are you in at the moment? Now, if, if you're in that season, fantastic, great, enjoy life. But if you're in, Can I I make you work even harder, Michelle? If you're like that, hang in there. You know what I'm saying? Hang in there. There's a time when, when God's doing whatever work he's doing in you to prepare you, to strengthen you in those moments, to feed you with the nutrients that you need. One more time, to get to that. Have I made the point or I've focused too much on it anyway and that's what it is there's times when we won't produce fruit and there's times when we will there's times when we feel really productive and times when we won't that's not the point the point is that we've remained connected to the vine and so we're not going to die because we're connected now moves on in verse 6 interesting passage here Jesus says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. Now, I don't think this is so much about losing yourself, but it's it's those who have put on an appearance of faith, but are not have not really been connected anyway. The point he's making here is that life life without connection is impossible. And we need that connection to the vine. The issue here is not a lack of fruit being produced, but the lack of connection with the vine. And this is what brings me to this this, this final point of what it means to be a branch of the vine. It is ultimately our identity. If you are a branch of the vine, your identity is of the vine, is it not? Okay? Okay? And I know we, they can do a lot of techniques with grafting and all that sort of stuff, but I don't think they've been too successful at putting like a, an, an apple branch onto a vine because it wouldn't work because it's of a different variety. If we, if we are connected to the vine, we will produce what the vine produces. We can't be a, a another branch of another type. So our identity is tied to that. And I, I think... I think this is one of the core issues in our society at the moment is that of identity. You, you look at the, the, the news, you look at what's going on around, around us at the moment and there's issues with regard to gender, there's issues with regard to a uh, nationality, there's issues with regard to our race and it's all because people are looking for an identity, aren't they? Who am I? What type of person am I? So I'm going to be defined by my gender? Am I going to be defined by my nationality? Am I going to be defined by my skin color or my race or whatever? And this is why we get into all of these arguments because that is what we think our primary identity is. But it's not. Our our primary identity is that which Jesus gives. And I think even for us as Christians, too often we get sidetracked by all of that if you were to say what is your core identity it is that yes I'm a, I'm a male yes I'm Australian yes I'm white but this secondary the primary thing is I am a branch connected to the vine of Jesus a child of God and that's what's going to define me that is ultimately who I am and how I'm going to operate and how I understand myself Let's go, let's go back to verse 5. Now Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a statement about ourselves, our identity and our mode of operation connected to the vine producing that which the the sun produces in us ultimately love and all of its attributes so the question I ask is where are you today? there may be some people here who've never been connected and my prayer is that I trust that you will find connection with the vine the one who brings life, hope and identity if you are in the vine, may you find your identity in him. What I want to do this morning is we're going to have an opportunity to share in communion together. And I think it's, it's quite appropriate that as, as we, we come to Easter and as, as we read from the, um, the account of Jesus, as he spends time with his disciples just before he got arrested, he shared a meal with his disciples Just in in friendship, in connection, in intimacy. Sharing of himself and drawing these disciples into him. Imploring them, remain in me. Abide in me.